welcome to Timeless Treasures from God's Word, a preaching ministry of the late Reverend Howard E. Tucker, former pastor of the Calvary Presbyterian Church in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania, whose radio ministry was heard for many years on KDKA every Sunday night. Voiced by his son, Timothy, we hope these messages will inspire and challenge you and bring many to a saving knowledge of Christ as Savior. Now, here's Tim. Good evening, everyone, and we hope you had a wonderful day in worshiping the Lord at church this morning, and we welcome you to our program tonight, and we're going to be talking about a uh, interesting topic entitled, What the Bible Teaches About Christian Stewardship, a message my father gave on the radio some years ago, and he was a graduate of Wheaton College and Dallas Theological Seminary, and you can listen to other broadcasts that we had done by taking your smartphone or computer, and in the search bar, just type in Timeless Treasures from God's Word. Well, Christian stewardship has been defined as the practice of systematic and proportionate giving of time, abilities, and material possessions based on the conviction that these are a trust from God to be used in His service for the benefit of all mankind. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 remind us as believers in Christ that you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Christians will never stand to be judged and condemned for sin, because Christ bore that condemnation on the cross. But Christians will have their service for God judged at the return of Christ. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that which he has done. In 1 Corinthians three thirteen and 14 say, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. As stewards of the things God has entrusted to us, we may not be overly talented or brilliant in any way, but one thing is absolutely necessary, and that is faithfulness. Because 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It gets a Christian steward started off right if he really believes the hymn, Not that I have my own I call, I hold it for the giver. My heart, my strength, my life, my all are his and his forever. Let's consider tonight briefly what we should be doing as far as our time, talents, and money are concerned in Christian stewardship. Number one, our time. God's people of the Old Testament, the Jews, were given the seventh day of the week called the Sabbath, as a day of rest. So definite were the restrictions of the day that if a person was caught gathering sticks to make a fire on the Sabbath, he was supposed to be killed. Israel stole the Sabbath from God for 490 years, and since God is an accurate bookkeeper, they were carried away into captivity for exactly 70 years, or the one-seventh of the 490 years that they had disobeyed God. We Christians have the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, set aside for worship and service, and we remember Christ's resurrection this way at least 52 times during the year. Some of us are greatly concerned about the way many Christians treat the Lord's Day as simply a frivolous holiday. We understand fully that from a Christian standpoint, the Lord's Day may be absolutely meaningless to the unsaved person, but believers in Christ have a different responsibility in God's sight. However, it should be pointed out that the Lord's Day is in no way legalistic, 
as was the Sabbath under law, and that actually we should live every day of the week as unto the Lord. As far as the time element itself is concerned, we find many Christians who are very particular about their tithing, that is, their giving of 10% of their income to the Lord, who are very careless about the time they give to the Lord, often not even the seventh. Our time is one of the most valuable opportunities, and Ephesians 5.16 reminds us as believers that we should be redeeming the time because the days are evil. Frankly, what a person does with his time is an indication of his Christian character and commitment. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2 insists to the unsaved, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Well, how about our talents? Our abilities to serve the Lord may vary quite a bit, but there is no Christian who could not be doing something for God. In one of the early battles in our country, a raw recruit got separated from his company and was much confused. He approached a superior officer and asked him what to do. The officer replied, step in anywhere. There's fighting all along the line. Anyone who is a pastor of a church or head of any Christian organization is dismayed many times at the lack of willing workers when the need is so great all along the line. There are many people who give to the church and attend it regularly who have never let the Lord use them and their abilities in any real way. And frankly, they are the losers as well as the cause of Christ. Many times Christians are leaders in various things in the world, but refuse to give that same leadership ability to the Lord and to his church. If in every choice of life we would apply 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, it certainly would change many of our decisions and much of our life. We should apply that hymn we sing not only to our money, but also to all we are and to every talent we possess. We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. How about our money? When people in general refuse to give to God, it is simply another indication of their unsaved condition. But when Christians refuse to give according to God's word and will, it's an indication of their poor spiritual condition. God doesn't really have hold of a believer if he doesn't really have a hold of his pocketbook or checkbook. In spite of our national prosperity, we are told the statistics show that God gets only about one cent out of each dollar. Most Christians tip a waitress 10% or more, but what they give to God often would be a very inadequate tip, let alone approaching the tithe of 10%. The poet says, Give your money while you're living. Do not hoard it to be proud. You can never take it with you. There's no pocket in a shroud. How sorry I feel for pastors who have to put up with suppers or bazaars and rummage sales in their churches to have their salaries paid or to meet their different budgets. The collection is surely a proper term in many churches because it never approaches an offering unto God. We had no wealth in our church, and yet when the need is presented to our working-class people, they give as the Lord leads them, and as unto him who loved them and gave himself for them. The Old Testament child of God was commanded to give a tithe, or ten percent to God, and only when he exceeded this ten percent was he actually making an offering to God. In this age of grace, as we look back upon Christ's sacrifice on the cross, to be consistent spiritual Christians, we have to do as well or better than the Old Testament saint. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is a matter of the heart. 
pocketbook trouble is really heart trouble. 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, Upon the first day of the week let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him. Giving should be both systematic and proportionate. It's not a problem of how to give 10% to the Lord, but how in the world to justify keeping 90% for ourselves. Now, we never ask an unsafe person to give to our church. In fact, we often tell unsafe friends and folks in our church that they are our guests and that they are simply to pass the offering plate to the next person and that we want to give them something, the gift of life eternal through faith in Christ. But in speaking of saved persons, Second Corinthians 8 verse 5 says that they first gave their own selves to the Lord and giving the money came as a natural consequence. God so loved that he gave and 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8 shows that giving will prove the sincerity of your love. And verse 9 goes on to say, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. If you are an unsaved person listening tonight, and in spite of our pleading that you receive Christ as your Savior, you still continue to reject him, then I suggest to you that you get everything you can out of this life because this is the only one you will ever have to enjoy. Make the devil give you everything you want and pay you a big price for your eternal soul. If you are a Christian, however, you simply cannot go on living for self. It may be that some of your unsaved friends will be discouraged to come to Christ because they see so little of him in your self-centered life. You are not your own because you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ and you must live for him and seek to win others to him to deserve the name of Christian. Say, friend, turn your life over to God and know real Christian stewardship. Unsaved friends, don't look at inconsistent Christians, but look past them to Christ as he stands with outstretched arms to receive you if you only place your faith in him. As Christians pray for you, may the Holy Spirit give you grace to receive Christ as your Savior. If you are a believer in Christ, then praise him for saving you from a life of sin and from hell and permit the Holy Spirit to use you as a testimony to God's grace. If you never have received Christ as your personal Savior, why not come to Jesus right now? In this moment, bow your heads before the Lord and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I agree with you. I am a sinner and I deserve your judgment. But I right now want to repent of my sins. I want to turn away from my life of sin and follow Christ from this moment on. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and paid the awful penalty for my sin on the cross. He shed his blood for me so that my sins could be forgiven. He took all my sins upon the cross with him. And I believe that Jesus not only died on the cross for me, but he rose again from the dead in complete victory to prove once and for all that if I place my faith and trust in him, that I will have everlasting life in heaven with him. My sins will be forgiven. So right now, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I trust you'll make that decision. It's not because of any works that we do, because the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot earn our way to heaven. Jesus paid the price for us on the cross with his precious blood. So I hope and pray that each one of you listening tonight has that assurance that you'll be in heaven one minute after death because of your faith in Jesus Christ and live for him now through the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives you when you place your faith and trust in him.
Thank you for tuning in tonight. We hope and pray this message was a blessing to you. You may receive a free written copy by emailing us at tptuck51 at gmail.com or by calling 412-337-3858. Our mailing address is Timeless Treasures from God's Word, 147 Crescent Garden Drive, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15235. Please join us next week at this time over this fine radio station, Word FM. Till then, walk with the Lord in the light of His Word.